Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. We'll continue our discussion this evening of Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. We're speaking about the nature of Krishna's external material energy, Bahiranga Shakti. And uh, we're beginning this discussion understanding the difference between the, the causative aspect of the material energy and the or sometimes referred to instrumental aspect, namita is the Sanskrit term, and the upadan aspect of the Lord's external energy. Um, upadan, uh, the constituent, the elemental part of the external energy. So we were discussing, and we left off in our last class, uh, on the 80, uh, 50 sec third Anucheta, and we had uh, been introduced to terms related to the Lord's external energy by Jiva Goswami's utilization of a verse. So we were discussing that pastime as related to the verse used as the, the Praman verse, the evidentiary verse, which in which the fever weapon of Shiva is surrendering to Krishna after being defeated. So that verse, just to remind us what those various constituents of the material energy were that were mentioned in that verse, reads as follows. And this is from the 10th canto, uh, 63rd chapter. Time, destiny, karma, the jiva, innate disposition, subtle matter, the presentation field, presentational field, the vital force, the empirical self, the modifications of Prakriti, the body, the continuous flow in the form of seed and sprout, all these constitute your Maya. I take shelter in you, the prohibitor of Maya. So it's interesting that in the Bhagavat Purana, as in all the Puranas, these prayers and these discourses with the Supreme Lord are just, they're packed full of Tattva. It's not just that we need to go to the 87th chapter of the 10th canto and, and hear the, the prayers of the personified Vedas. Throughout the Bhagavat Purana, these prayers, no matter from whose lips they're coming, are just ripe with, with spiritual knowledge. Whether it be Bhishma lying on his bed of arrows, you know, praying to Krishna. So, or Kunti praying to Krishna, and in her prayers, if you remember them, um, really the the uh, she repeatedly brings up the fact that the of the inconceivable nature of Krishna's energies, how they're just how can who can understand? But what I know from my experience is. When I'm in distress, I'm a better devotee, so keep me in distress. Interesting prayer. Not many of us would pray like that, but <laughs> if we actually had an, an intervention by Krishna personally, when we were put in that distressful condition, we would pray like Queen Kunti. <laughs> yes, again and again. So, we ended up going over Sridhar Swami's 
basic just commentary on this verse, the great Sridhar Swami, the great commentator on the Bhagavatam, um, which Jiva Goswami uses in his Anucheya, he first quotes Sridhar Swami. And Sridhar Swami basically just gives us definitions for the various terms in the verse. And then Jiva Goswami, he takes it a step further. And what he does is uh, he comes to a point where he's read Sridhar, he's, he's put down all of Sridhar Swami's basic definitions of the terms that were presented in the verse. And he says, here ends Sridhar's comments. And then from there, he goes on in his Anacheda, and we'll read that, and we'll see where he takes us. And we, we started this last class, and I'll, we'll just continue it. In this verse, qual, Kala, time, Daiva, destiny, Karma, well, we know what Karma is, and Swabhav, innate disposition. We basically, we have a place that we are comfortable in within the environment. So swabhav, we, we have comfort. Some take comfort in, in acts of just simple labor. Some take comfort in acts of uh, commerce or acts of uh, uh, production. Uh, uh, some take comfort and find their place in society uh, through acts of management or kingly acts. And some are scholarly. Some are very much attracted to, to knowledge and teaching and, and uh, worship also. So these four swabhavs basically make up the four, four different primary dharmas, we could say, of, in humanity. So the Varnashram system is made up of two aspects, Varna and Ashram. So the Varna aspect. So we have the Sudras. We have the... the Sudra class also includes those that are artistic. And interesting enough, um, I believe it also includes those that are inclined towards uh, providing health care. <laughs> yes, but also heart surgeons. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. It's anyone that takes care of the body. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So we have the Sudras, we have the uh, Vaishas, the businessmen, and uh, political leaders. Huh? So could you do like a mix, or is it pretty much one or the other? Well, it just, it would depend, I think, when you say mix, what we're seeing is, yes, a lot of mixture. As Kali progresses, this, these social orders that actually Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita, they came from me. I instituted this system of Varnashram Dharma. So, but as Kali introduces himself more and more into, into human society, then... Can there be mixtures? Sure. Things get pretty... But normally the, the society is, is rather perfectly structured. So we don't even see a mixing, a mixing as far as 
it's very seldom, although it does exist, a mixing of varnas, even as far as marriage. Sometimes the kshatriya will take a wife from a lower class, seldom from a higher class, seldom will not marry a brahmana, but yes, as Kali progresses, then yes, the the lines get blurrier and blurrier until they end in in just a, a mishmash of well everybody's lower than sudra in fact from the vantage point if we were to look at society and the societal classes from a from a much higher viewpoint so to speak you would say that well they don't exist at all anymore everybody's sudra or less malachas javanas so you hear the the sadhus say, yeah, you're all malachas, you're all sudras. It's okay, though, you're all, you're all, the availability of Sri Shaitanya's mercy is available to all. I don't care what you are, so here, come close. <laughs> so the sadhu is saying, come close, despite of our complete lack of qualification. So is there mixing from the, from the higher viewpoint? You'd say the mixing is already completely mixed. You know, that there's no class distinctions left. So, Swabhav is generally that. What are we inclined to? Whatever that may be. So we have the Vaishas, we have the Kshatriyas, and we have the Brahmins, just to finish out those four Varnas. So, in this verse, Karma, Swabhava, are the Namita, instrumental part. These are the things that, that the pushing, I, I think we would say, the active agents within Maya. They actually exert some, some real push on us. So we're getting more refined as, as Jiva starts to unpack this, his explanation of the material energy. And he starts with this general thing, well, Maya's made up of two broad categories, the causative and the and the elemental, so to speak. But as he continues to unpack this and take us deeper into these understandings, then the, the explanations become more detailed. So now, well, when we talk about the instrumental, the, the pushing agent within Maya, and you'll see it in these next two anachetas, it's going to get rather technical. It's going to get, you know, thick in all these different presentations. Not to be overcome by that, but just to brace yourself for the fact that, you know, there's there's a lot of detailed knowledge here. So we're just going to methodically go through it and draw from it in a way that our understanding can be deepened. And that deepening, as we've mentioned repeatedly, is this, the Sambandha Gyan of the Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. This is Jiva Goswami speaking to us. He's 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 he is the Tattva Acharya. If we were to take the the Goswamis and and categorize what they primarily presented to the Gaudi community after hearing from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his Sangha, um, we would say that uh, Sanatan Goswami is the is the Sambanda Acharya and Rupa Goswami is the Abhideya Acharya. He and uh, uh, Raghunath Das Goswami is the 
Prayojan Acharya. And then you have Jiva Goswami, who's, well, he's the Tattvasandarbha. He's giving all those together. He's, he was the younger, and he, he drew from all of them, and he took the notes of Gopal Bhatta Goswami, as he says in his Mangalacharana for the Sandarbhas, I took his notes and I kind of systemized them. So in his humility, you know, he's saying, this was already started by Gopal Bhatta. I'm just kind of putting it down in, in one, one concise presentation. The Sat Sandarbhas, the Bhagavat Sandarbha. Now we're getting more, more detailed knowledge. What is the instrumental, the Namita causes within material nature? part of maya, or the extrinsic energy, bahiranga shakti. The rest are the upadan part, or the constituent ingredients. So the, in this verse, these, these items, kala, daiva, karma, and swabhav, they're, they're the instrumental cause. In this verse, don't try to think that there won't be other definitions that will introduce other terminologies. Again, we want to walk away with a general concept in our mind. We could say, well, it's this, but we'll notice even, even you look at Sankhya philosophy or any aspect of the presentation of, of uh, Gaudiya Siddhanta or any of the, the Siddhanta, the, uh, the Vedic Siddhanta, you could say, in general, all the they all have different ways of counting things, different ways of presenting things, different ways of, of categorizing things. We look at Sankhya philosophy and we get these, well, what are there? There are 16 elements, or there are 24 elements, or there are 26, or there are 27. You know, this one says this, and this one says something else. Krishna says something here, and he says something else over there. So, you know, what do we accept? What we accept is the fact is that we're we're trying to assimilate a general overall understanding of what, what actually will nurture our spiritual growth. And what will nurture our growth is to know how, at least from this portion of the Paramatma Sandarbha, one of three major sections, and now it's being unpacked for us, we're going to walk away with what? Wow. Krishna's material energy is overwhelming. And it's, it's so overwhelming that I have a hard time grasping what it is. Well, you actually can't understand it. It's a chinta. But what's the nature of a chinta? It's understandable. But... That doesn't mean it's not comprehensible. We can comprehend what it is because it's self-revealing. It's sub-de-Brahman. It's coming from the transcendental realm. Can we, can we, we can't, it's, it can become incomprehensible, but it reveals itself to us in such a way that the uncomprehensible is accessible to us and we can we can draw from that and be nurtured by that now from an academic viewpoint well we could just as i showed sumati and i'll share with you now we could simply go to a statement 
from the 17th chapter of the first canto. And this is, uh, this is, is the place where Parikshit saying to, to Dharma in the shape of a bull, Kali's standing right there with a stick in his hand, a chopper in his hand. Dharma's there down to one leg. And Parikshit Maharaj is saying, how did you come to be in this state? And Dharma saying, who can say? <laughs> and Parikshit said, who can say? I'm standing here. You're on one leg. And this man is here. And we can see that he's inflected this, this suffering upon you. So can you just, you know, I wasn't here when it happened, but I, I am a ruler. I need to make a, a proper judgment here. Uh, am I right? Is what I'm seeing of the situation what really happened? It would be like, you know, you find somebody in the middle of, middle of an intersection and he's laying back, you know, his body's all broken up and there's a person whose car's front bumper has a big dent in it. <laughs> and you come up and you say, what happened? Could you tell me what happened? No, I can't really tell you what happened. I can't really explain it. Uh, he said, well, didn't that guy hit you? Well, you might say he hit me, but there's other factors. So you, per, Dharma is trying to tell Parikshit, I can't really say what the cause is. I can't really get to the cause of what's happened to me. What's happened to me is caused by well, some say it's karma. Some say it's destiny. Some say it's, it's you know, it, it's unexplainable. Others say it's the supreme. So, I'm confused. <laughs> Can imagine Dharma, uh, Maharaj Parikshit, you're confused? You're the embodiment of Dharma, and you're confused about a simple Dharmic principle? as to what the cause of enjoyment and suffering is? And he says, yes, I, I really don't know. After this dialogue, uh, Sutta Goswami presents the following verse to Sunaka. And remember the first canto, Sukadev Goswami hasn't come into the picture yet. So the discussion is between uh, Sutta Goswami and the sages of Namasharanya. And then in the second canto, and we're leading up to that. So this is part of that leading up, is the fact that this one incident is there explaining the introduction of Kali Yuga. So there's a few incidents that happened to Maharaj Parikshit, and this is one of them. And of course, the next one is he's going to be out running in through the forest, and he's going to get thirsty and hungry, and he's going to go to a sage's house, and we know where that leads. And then he's, then he's done. <laughs> He's finished. He's out of there. And then Sukadev comes and we have an introduction in the second canto and then the dialogue continues. So this verse from Sutta Goswami is kind of a wrapping up of this dialogue. Uh, you know, okay, what, what do we take from this dialogue between Maharaj Parikshit and, and Bhumi and Dharma? What, what can we walk away with? Because 
seems a little bewildering. And this is, this is the verse. It is certain that the course of the Lord's Maya is beyond the thought and words of the living entities. <laughs> so I came across this verse and I'm like, well, okay, so we're done with this part of the Paramatma Sandarbha because it's beyond the capacity in words or in thought for us to understand. Why continue? Well, we need to continue because if it wasn't important for us to understand it to the limits of our capacity, Jiva Goswami wouldn't have taken all the time to draw out all this knowledge regarding the nature of the Lord's material energy and present it systematically. And we, we've got 50 more anachetas to go through just in regards to the, you know, to the material energy. So there's going to be a lot that's going to be brought out. So, I mean, Sutta can say, well, it does, it's beyond our capacity. But Jiva would say, well, yes, it's beyond your capacity. It's a chinta. It's inconceivable. But we can conceive of it if, we, if it reveals itself to us. And it's revealed itself to me through the notes, through the, through the association of the sadhus from Rupa and Sanatan, and through the notes of Gopal Bhatta, it's revealed itself to me. So I'm sharing that to you in my sandarbhas. So it's a revelation. So revelations are beyond experience. Sabda Prabhan is beyond experience. So it's not just a matter of book learning. It's not just a matter of we're not jnanis, we're bhaktis. But our jnan, our sambandha jnan, is, is it, well, as Swami says, it's the conceptual orientation which allows involvement in a process, abhideya, so sambandha abhideya, to attain a goal. And that, that is, for us, predicated by primarily the gracious dispensation of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And this has all been systematically presented by the Goswamis, the, the Tattva Acharyas, the, the founding Acharyas of the Sampradaya. So we'll leave that verse aside for now and we'll go back into the details. Resuming the details. The rest of the verse, the rest of the items in the verse are the upadan part, the constituent part, the material part. Not, instru not exerting any instrumentality. All of maya is, it's inert, it's, it's matter, and it's the energy of the material energy. But it's, there's no consciousness there. Although there appears to be a lot of consciousness. So it's, it's, a, it's a deep mystery, you would say. And then, as right where we left off last class, Jiva Goswami continues, But the Jiva who possesses all these properties, so Maya... Maya is like we possess Maya, or well, the better way to put it, Maya possesses us. <laughs> but we possess the body that 
the Maya's influences there, is made up of both. So the jiva is made up of both the constituent parts, you know, bone and blood and flesh and skin, you know. And we have the subtle parts, the instrumental parts, the false ego, <coughs> mind intelligence, false ego, subtle. Uh, so a part of the instrumental potency, namita shakti, also proceeds correspondingly into the set of constituent ingredients, upadan, such as the eye consciousness. And now Jiva takes us down a road <coughs> of understanding more this entanglement, starting with um, a verse from the explanation in the third canto of the Bhagavatam of the evolution of the universal body. And this description of the evolution of the universal body in the third canto is basically a template for the it's the um, uh, macrocosmic presentation, but there's also the microcosmic. So the individual jiva's evolution, the evolution, the evolute of our material body mimics what's presented in the third canto as the evolution of the Virat Rupa, which in essence is well, it doesn't really exist as a as a tangible form. It's more of a conceptual presentation for the understanding. So when we say Virat Rupa, generally we have to understand that's it's not like you're going to go out and see a Virat Rupa <laughs> manifestation of the of the universal elements in a in a personality. But you can understand the evolution of the universe by conceptualizing the Virat Rupa and that conceptualization can carry down to our individual bodies. So that is discussed in the third canto and Jiva will take us there. Um, and he's going to take us through the, there uh, and he's not going to get through, through into a whole description of the evolution of a material body but he's going to talk about one aspect False ego, which is like the really, it's a pretty heavily binding aspect of the evolution. Um, so he says, and proceeds corresponding into this set of constituent ingredients, upadan, such as the eye consciousness, ahambhava, of the jiva entering into the element called aham, which characterizes the limitation, upadi, of the jiva. This is the result of avidya, ignorance, as is said in the sixth chapter of the third canto. Now, in the next Anacheta, we're going to get into the, uh, the knowledge, the vidya and the advidya aspect of maya. These are other, two other shaktis of the external energy. The vidya, pa, vidya actually has, there's two vidyas, and that will be explained, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, we'll proceed systematically through this. So then Jiva uh, quotes from the third canto. After that, Rudra, the deity of self-identity, entered the seed of the individual ego 
and it's of the Virat Purusha, along with a portion of his, Rudra's, active sense, karmana, i.e. his, eye-awareness, by means of which the jiva is endowed with the sense of what is to be done. He begins his explanation of this verse, his unpacking of this verse, trying to bring us to the point of what he wants us to comprehend, by quoting Sridhar Swami again. Swami comments on this, the word Atmanam, the individual self, here means the ego, ahankar, of the Virat Purusha. The word Abhiman, self-identity, is a name of the god Rudra, along with his active sense, Karmana, means through the function of the I-awareness, Ahamvriti. Then Jiva Goswami breaks down that presentation so we can understand how the knowledge is conveyed through the third canto's explanation of the Virat Rupa. Now, if you remember that explanation, if you've read that, you, 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 you're given a pretty um, firm understanding, first, of how the demigods control of the individual sense, how the sense seats itself in the, in the physical aspect of the body. So we have the, uh, those three, uh, three items, the Tan Mantras, yes, the senses. So, um, Adiyatmic, Adidaivic, and Adibaltic. So these three general, those are three general Sanskrit terminologies, meaning Adiyatmic, it's, it's the subtle Atma's utilization of the sense, Adidaivic. Well, the fact that the, the sense really can't, it needs an agent to actualize it in relationship with the cosmic environment. So that's a, that's a deity. That's a, that's a personality that's actually effectuating the senses within each of our bodies. Not just one, a whole host of demigods help us see, help us hear, help us smell, help us taste, help us move, help us, you name it. They're, they're really the ones that are, you know, bringing things about. We think we're the doer, well, we're not the doer very much. Without their help, Bhakti Ross and I were discussing this. I was, and the idea comes, you have a young couple that, that's just married and they say, we're going to make a baby. We're going to make a baby? You're going to make a baby? You know how to make a baby. Just think about <laughs> that statement. We're going to make a baby. Oh, really? Yeah, if that's what you want to call it. I know what you're talking about, but really... Let's think about what you're saying. You're going to make a baby. You're going to put all the pieces together. You're going to wire the nervous system. You're going to, you're going to put paddles on the heart and start it pumping. You're going to create a heart and a set of lungs from a, from a, a little teeny egg and a little sperm. And uh, Wow, you are really, really a powerful person if you can make a baby. 
It would it takes a host of demigods to make a baby and you're just saying we're going to make a baby. Yeah, you really aren't seeing the whole picture here of what's going on in material nature. That's why we can have Krishna saying in the Bhagavad Gita that what? The living entity thinks that he's the doer when in essence everything is being conducted by my material energy. You're not the doer. But you do have agency and you do have the ability to know and you do have the ability to experience. So there's a, it's infinitesimal. It's like the act of procreation, which is that moment, all of a sudden, wow. And then the sperm runs in and, and fertilizes and that's what you did. You did that part. Okay, you got that down. And then material nature takes off. You know, and what's material nature do? Material nature, all these demigods are coming in and they're, they're dealing with all the different construction of all the different senses and, you know. So, that's what's being discussed here in the, in the third canto is this, you know, this deeper understanding of what is, what is the, the nature of um, these things. So Jiva goes on. This verse is part of a series of verses that all follow the same pattern. To understand these verses, one must follow the guiding principles set forth by Sridhar Swami in his commentary to the beginning verse of the section. So at the beginning of the section, Sridhar Swami lays out all these verses follow a, a simple pattern, and he explains that pattern. Uh, so Sri Jiva's explanation is Sri Jiva's explanation here is with reference to these guidelines. That's in parentheses because this is actually not from the commentary, but from the the Anucheta proper. In any of these verses, the word that is qualified by the adjective nirbina, individuated, refers to the locus, adistada, wherein the overseeing god, here Rudra, enters and establishes himself. The particular faculty, such as speech, uh, or such as I, awareness, in, the, in relationship to false ego, here in, this, in verse 25. Uh, for which the third case is used. Again, he's explaining the, you know, Sridhar Swami's explaining the use of the Vedic language and the, and the specifics of the Vedic language in these particular verses. So it's technical. I mean, this is this is the the language of the gods, the language of the sages. These these guys weren't fooling around when they composed these verses. They're coming from a very, very deep. So, which case, uh, which case a particular verb is in? Is it in the instrumental? Is it in the, is it a, is it accusative? Is it a neutral? Is it, is it male? Is it female? I mean, wow, Sanskrit. I don't know anything of it, but we can gain some appreciation just by sometimes, especially I notice this in Vishwanath's commentaries to the Srimad Bhagavatam. He, he, he talks about, he'll say, well, this is in this verse. And he'll even sometimes say, well, this should have said that. You know, <laughs> say this should read like that. Meaning that maybe over the ages, remember that the, the Sanskrit used in the, 
in the Veda proper, in the Upanishads, that Sanskrit is a very technical Sanskrit. But in the Puranas and the Itihashas, which is where we get most of our spiritual knowledge, that's that's not that's not as strict. The rules of that Sanskrit are not as strict as those in the actual uh, Upanishads, where the rules are so strict that time has no influence on those those verses. It it whereas the Puranas is a is the the rules are less stringent. So we notice over time that some some of the various Puranas and Itihasas will be presented a little differently. And sometimes it's pointed out that in this version it says this and in that version it says that. So we don't need to worry. Again, remember, this is... It's like, it's mysticism. That is Krishna consciousness. It is mystical. It is self-revealing. It's going to, the heart of, based, you know, as we advance, as we become more sincere in our endeavor to understand, the Shastra is going to reveal itself to us. The Guru is going to reveal the secrets to us. The more we're, the more our consciousness is turned. And it's a gradual turning of consciousness towards the Supreme. So as our consciousness is turned and more in tune, then it's going to sing to us more. We'll be in tune with, with, the, with the song that's, that's being presented to us. There will be, we will not simply look and see disharmony as we often do in the neophyte stage. Oh, your guru said this, or my guru says that, and you're worshiping Brahman, and I'm I'm worshiping Narayan, you know, and I'm worshiping Parama. I mean, to the to the advanced sadhus, they don't. It's no distinguishing. You're all worshiping God. It's okay. But I truly think that if you would see it the way I see it, I could convince you. Maybe this way is a little deeper understanding. You're worshiping Brahman and there's no... What What if Brahman presented itself with qualities? Beauty, strength, fame, wealth, knowledge, renunciation. And those qualities were unlimitedly bountiful and powerful and overwhelming. So maybe the impersonal concept, which is an aspect of the Supreme, maybe this other concept would be, I could maybe more appealing. Let's look at that. If you look at that without any bias, you should come to the conclusion, and if we look to Scripture, we'll see, actually that's what the Scripture says. It's hit, It's there. It's it's those are deeper meanings and deeper appreciations for a personal aspect of the supreme are much more appealing, in my estimation. But I have, I have respect the fact that you like Brabant. That's okay. Let's talk about it a little more. So you know, and we even have this as far as well. I understand that you really like the idea of of being the father or mother of Krishna, but 
maybe there's something more here. Let me, let me tell you about Krishna's intimate dealings with his, his friends or his lovers. Maybe there's more. Let's look to where that real taste of, of rasa is. Oh, okay, you're not I can't I can't take you there, fine. But the guru actually can can help the sadhika who hasn't yet developed a specific taste for Krishna refine his understanding through Sambandagyan to an extent that as his aspiration begins to develop, he'll be pull, pulled towards a specific personal relationship with the Supreme. So we can see that sometimes, you know, a Vraj Bhakti, somebody that's who's deeply immersed, can speak to a to a, a young Ram Bhakta and convince him there's a lot more going on in Vraj than there is in Ayodhya. But at a certain point, the bhava, the love for God, it becomes it becomes uh, condensed and fixed, and then you cannot shake it, and you should not shake the faith of the. Uh, you can't. It doesn't doesn't matter what you say. They're in love with Krishna in only that way. That's they got love. They're they're overcome by that kind of a relationship with the supreme. So the third case is used, talking about, so it refers to a particular psychological or cognitive instrument, a jatma. These points are concluded from the context, as has been done expressively in Sridhar Swami's commentaries on this section. And then Jiva Goswami completes this annotative, stating the following. Karma is compared to a seed only to point out its causality. In this way, here, also primordial matter, pradhan, which is referred to by the word shetra, field of activity. So pradhan, it's really the ingredient aspect of the material energy, which is referred to as shetra, and which is the root of the entire constituent upadhan part, is understood to be only a part of the original maya. When Sridhar Swami says the jiva is that which possesses all these properties, tanvan, he is indicating that the pure jiva is beyond maya. This is going to come out more in the next Anucheta, but just to remember the characteristics of the jiva. All this is external to us. Although we're completely wrapped up in maya, we're pure. Pulling that out of its, you know, pulling that rabbit out of the hat as much as possible, that's, that helps us to, when we get wrapped up into material nature to such an extent that we, we don't know what to do, then we, we really need to know, well, you know, you could throw down your bow on the battlefield and, and, you know, cry to the heavens, I don't want to kill these people and, and Krishna's there. You're not killing anybody. This material, I've already killed. This is my energy. You're simply involved. You're, in, you're, you're, you're placing yourself emotionally and physically and psychologically in, in a situation which really has nothing to do with the nature of your true being. 
So let's talk about your true being. And thus we have a Bhagavad Gita, a discourse where Krishna himself is saying, yeah, what, you're throwing your bow down? It doesn't matter. They're dead already. <laughs> you know, wow. Well, then I thought I was this big fighter. Yeah, you're a big fighter, and I'll give you the power to fight on my behalf, and on and on. And then at the end, Arjuna can't even protect the queens of Dwarka from a bunch of, you know, uh, thieves in the road after Krishna's left. His powers, his Shaktis are gone. So how much power did he have to begin with? Where did that power come from? We want to draw out these understandings. There's uh, a lot of nice dis- explanation here. And I think in the next class we'll we'll go into that a little bit more deeply. I don't want to just walk away from it without fully taking advantage of the commentator's nicely presented explanation of these these terms and 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 you know what actually again pounding the post we also need to pound the post we need to come in here and walk away for, with a firm understanding of what are the you know what's the instrumental cause the namita and the the upadan the, uh, the constituent parts of material nature and how subtle that relationship is so that comes out a little and i want to go over that in the next discussion. And I'll leave you with something to think about. Prakrijaiva chakarmani kriyamani nani svavasa yapasyati tatmanam akartaram sa pasyati. This is from the 13th, cant- 13th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, 29th verse. Krishna says, A person who sees that all actions are performed exclusively by material nature and that the self is the non-doer actually sees. So we'll think about that in relationship to all this entanglement where we think how much we, how much we buy into what we aren't. So much so that Krishna is saying you're actually none of it. You're actually none of it. Wrap your mind around it. But if you want, through my agency of my material energy, my maya can really put you in maya. All right, we'll stop there for this evening. Thank you so much for your association.